You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse number 14. The Bible says, And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, and your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto his work. And it came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, and the bows, and the habergeons, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. They which builded on the wall, and they that bear burdens with those that laid it, every one with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. For the builders, every one had his sword girded by his side, and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. And I said unto the nobles, and to the rulers, and to the rest of the people, The work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one from another. In what place therefore ye hear the sound of the trumpet? Resort ye thither unto us, our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, Let every one with his servant lodge within Jerusalem, that in the night they may be a guard to us, and labor on the day. So neither I, nor my brethren, nor my servants, nor the men of the guard which followed me, none of us put off our clothes, saving that every one put them off for washing. Amen. And you may be seated. Thank you for standing. And I hope you have been helped by this series in the book of Nehemiah. I've enjoyed it. I feel like every week I feel like I'm, I'm getting more and more out of it than maybe I saw the last time. And I hope it's been that way for you. Before I get too far ahead of myself, uh, I do want to say, Brother Dan, if you could remind me at the end, if we could get some fellows to help us in the gym with some chairs, if you remind me at the end, and uh, we'll make that announcement at the end as a reminder. And then I do want to say, I mentioned the Suttmeyers are uh, here, but Brother uh, Nick and Miss Patty Suttmeyer, these are, this is Natalie's parents. Of course, Natalie's one of our school teachers, and we're so honored that they're here. And Brother Suttmeyer will be uh, uh, telling us about the work in Mexico City tonight. I hope you'll be here for that, and that'd be good. It's good to have Miss Angie and uh, Andrew, Mike and Mallory, they're here. They'll be here, I think, Tuesday. I don't know what, they're leaving soon. Uh, Noah, good to see you, man, and we're glad you're here. And I'm just looking around. The Barmers, we love it when you come. Just let us know when you're ready to move back. That's kind of what we're praying, but we're glad to see you. And then um, uh, Don and Melody back here, uh, we've been praying for you. This is Brother Charles Rose's daughter and son-in-law. And uh, Miss uh, Patsy, you've been such a blessing. I was telling Don and Melody just to see you every service, not only here, but in the choir. And what a blessing, what a great testimony. And I hope you continue to pray uh, for uh, this family and pray for folks. You know, uh, Gail, good to see you. I just spotted you back there. And then Joseph is back here. Wave at us, Joseph. Joseph was here in June, and uh, Joseph is visiting with us from 
uh, Wisconsin surprise visit for the weekend. We're so glad that you're here. And I saw one of our school families over here. We're so glad to see you folks visiting with us. And uh, I hope you always make folks feel welcome. I think there's a few folks I'm missing. I'll spot you as we go. But uh, we're so honored that you're here. For our uh, folks that are watching the service online, those who are listening by way of radio, uh, we appreciate so much that you're with us. Uh, but I want to remind all of us today that we're not here because the pastor's got some ideas. Uh, we're not here because uh, the pastor's so smart. We're not here just because, you know, I've really worked hard and I've got some great, you know, ins inspirational quotes. But we're here today because we have the Word of God. We have the Bible. And the Bible has the answers to every problem that you will ever face. And I hope you never forget it. And by the way, you don't have to wait till Sunday to get in the Bible. You can get in the Bible every day. And I hope you will, and I hope you do that. Nehemiah chapter 4, Brother Dan read the scripture, and I, I really debated on which portion of the chapter to have Brother Dan read because it's all so good. But as Brother Dan was reading, did you notice that it almost seemed like there were, there were two themes that just kind of were, were kind of jumbled together in this one chapter? You see, Nehemiah, he was sent to, to Jerusalem by God. He was sent to rebuild the wall. And Nehemiah organized a, a building crew. And Nehemiah got the people organized. Then he had to encourage them. And, and God blessed. And they, they saw that wall built and that wall completed in Jerusalem. It's not done yet. But we know when you get to the end of the book of Nehemiah, you know that they finished it. And by the way, God wants us to finish. I'm glad that you're here today. I'm glad you're building. I'm glad you're serving. I'm glad you're doing what, what God's called you to do. But let's decide today, with God's help and with God's power, we're not just going to start, but we're going to finish what God has given us to do. And so Nehemiah is encouraging them to build. But now we see in chapter 4, we see another theme is introduced, and that is the theme not just of building, but now it's the theme of battling, of fighting. Now, I am, not, I am not an expert at either. I'm not an expert at fighting. Some of you, uh, you know, martial arts or police training or some of you military, you, you've done it. You know how to do it. I don't know how to do all that stuff. Um, I also, I'm not a builder. Now, I've told you stories before that if you've got a demolition project, sign me up. I'm good at a demolition. When it comes to building stuff, you don't want me uh, doing that. It, you'll have to redo it anyway. But I know this, that it's, it's hard to imagine doing both at the same time. Can you imagine if you're building a house and while you're building a house, you're also having to, you know, uh, fight off burglars and having to fight off people that are trying to attack you. And you always got to be looking over your shoulder. And, and so you're, you got the hammer in one hand and you got the, the sword in the other. Or can you imagine you're, you're in a war, you're in a battle and you're fighting against the enemy. And I know there are people don't use swords much today. I understand that. But imagine in Nehemiah's day, you're in a battle, you're fighting with the sword. And while you're swinging the sword, you're also trying to hammer a board, you know, or you're also trying to lay a brick or you're also trying to build something. Boy, that's tough. How many of you know that the Christian life is a life of balance? The Christian life is not one dimensional. The Christian life is not only one thing you have to do. Now, I think you need to get your focus on the Lord. Paul said, this one thing I do. I think you need to get your focus right. But we all have burdens. 
We all have responsibilities. We all have pressures. We all have uh, requirements. We all have assignments. And we're all working to do all of those things and to balance them. Maybe you're here today and maybe your pressure today is your job. Maybe your pressure today is your family. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your grandkids. Maybe your pressure today is um, a, a physical need. Maybe you've got some upcoming appointments or maybe you're waiting on some test results and, and that's a burden you're trying to carry. Maybe your burden today is a financial need. Can I tell you, all of those things are, are hard when you're trying to manage all those things, but in the Christian life, there must be a balance. You see, you can't just build and stop battling because there's a fight every day that you have against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And if you don't fight, you will lose that battle. Quitting is not an option. Giving up is not an option. You've got to fight. But while you are building, you have to fight. And while you're fighting, you still have to build. God wants you to build your life. God says we are to build up ourselves on our most holy faith. The Bible says we are to build upon the foundation. And the, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And you need to build for God. But while you're building, you also have to fight against the enemies that are coming against you. I want to talk to us today and I want to uh, speak to you on the subject of building and battling. Both are important, but I want you to see in this passage that both are important, both are necessary, and both are possible with God's help that we can build and that we can battle, that we can accomplish something and we can be victorious for Christ. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us. I pray that you'd give us exactly what we need from your word. I thank you for uh, the privilege that I have to stand up and to preach and to proclaim what thus saith the Lord. I uh, realize today that it's not uh, my ability, it's not my experience, but it is the power of the Word of God and it is the power of the Holy Spirit that is going to accomplish something today. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help me to get out of the way and I pray that the Word of God would be preached in a manner that would be pleasing to you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Number one, I want you to see in Nehemiah chapter four, verse number one, it says, it came to pass that when Sanballat, remember that name? From the previous chapter, Sanballat, he's the enemy of God's people. When Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was, what's the next word? Wroth. Oh, he was ticked off. He was angry. Now keep in mind, Nehemiah was not doing anything to Sanballat. He was mad because the work of God was getting done. And I want to tell you today, Satan hates it when God's work is done. Satan hates it when people get saved. Brother Fats, we were talking yesterday, uh, these last three Saturdays, we've had the opportunity with our soul winning teams going out, we've had the opportunity to see people saved. I think five people in the last three weeks just Saturday, and we're not talking about our jail ministry, Brother Jones does, and we're not talking about the bus ministry. We're talking about just door to door, soul winning, invite people to church, telling people about Jesus. I want to tell you, that is wonderful, that is exciting, and we rejoice in that. But when a church is seeing people get saved, you better watch out because Satan's not going to like it. Satan is going to attack. Satan is going to do all he can to discourage. He's going to do all he can to distract. 
I think about the Supmeyers being here. And we're looking forward to hearing the missionary presentation tonight. Uh, Brother Dan told me this last week, I think we're at 90 missionaries that our church is supporting. And by the way, Satan doesn't like that. Satan hates missionaries going out. Satan hates the gospel being presented because that's the work of God. That's what God's called us to do. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So I don't think we should be surprised if Satan's going to fight against a church that is trying to send out missionaries. I don't think Satan is going to uh, like the fact that we're sending out buses to pick up boys and girls and teenagers and adults to come to church and to hear the gospel. You know why? Satan hates the gospel. Satan hates it when people get saved. He hates the work of God. Now this Christian school, I tell you, I'm, I'm so amazed at what God has done through Victory Christian Academy. But I got news for you. While we're rejoicing and while heaven is rejoicing, Satan is on a mission to try to stop the work of God that is training young people, that is teaching the Bible. Uh, can you imagine, what, imagine what's going on uh, uh, with the, uh, the meetings that Satan has with his demons every day? Hey, Roanoke Rapids, there's a school up there and they're starting every day in prayer. And every day they're having a Bible class and every week they're having chapel services and they're having uh, uh, students that are getting saved and they're having students that are hearing missionaries and hearing preachers and hearing teachers that love God that are influencing their lives. I want to tell you, Satan hates it. And don't ever forget that we are in a battle. And if you're not in a battle, if you're not having a fight, it may be because you're not doing anything that's bothering Satan. Because Satan is alive and well, and he is on a mission to destroy the work of God. So here's what happens in Nehemiah chapter 4. Number one, I see the berating of God's people. The berating of God's people. Sanballat was wroth, and he took great indignation, and he mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? You know what he was saying? These Jews are so weak. These Jews, they're a bunch of wimps. They're a bunch of sissies. They're not going to get anything done. These are a bunch of weaklings. You know what Satan tries to tell you? You can't do anything for God. You're so weak. You don't have any strength. You don't have any ability. You're not going to accomplish anything. What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Are they going to protect themselves? Are they going to uh, um, sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Are they even going to complete what they started? Notice this. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? Here's what Sam Ballad is saying. He said, hey, those Jews, they don't have a chance. All they have is they just got piles of rubbish. Rubbish is dirt and ashes. And truly, that's what was in Jerusalem. Jerusalem had been destroyed. Jerusalem had been uh, wiped out by the Babylonians and the, the walls were broken down and the, the, the houses were burned and the temple was destroyed. And literally, it is a wasteland. It is a war zone. And Sam Ballad says, that's just a pile of junk over there. That's just a pile of ashes. There's no way that they're going to make something out of that mess. What Satan will tell you, too. He'll say, you're just worthless. You're just trash. If people knew your past, if people knew the way that you used to be, or if people know what you said, or if people know uh, what you did, if people knew what you used to be, 
they wouldn't even sit by you in church. Amen. Well, that's what Satan will say. But I got news for you. He's right. We were worthless before Jesus came by. We were a mess before Jesus came by. We were just a pile of dirt and we were just a bunch of, uh, a, 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 a pile of, of rubbish and ashes and, and we were just a, a what used to be and what could have been until Jesus came by and picked up the pieces and aren't you glad he stopped by your way? Aren't you glad for the difference he made in your life? I thank the Lord that Jesus came and found me and I was not worthy. I was worthless, but Jesus made me worthy. And I thank God that I can stand redeemed and I can stand before, uh, before God someday, not because of what is in me, but because he sees Jesus and he sees the blood of Jesus that has covered my sin. And so the enemy is berating. The enemy is attacking. The enemy is angry. And the enemy is mocking the people of God. Don't be surprised when the enemy mocks you. Don't be surprised when the enemy talks bad about you. Don't be surprised when the enemy tries to discourage you. But notice the response I see in verse number six. Not only the berating, but number two, the building. It says in verse number six, after all the slander, after all the accusations, after all the mocking, after all the ridicule, verse six, so built we the wall. That's a great response. When people criticize, just keep building. When people attack, just keep building. When Satan comes knocking on your door, just keep building. When the devil tries to stop you and the devil tries to discourage you and the devil tries to tell you how bad you are, just keep building, just keep on going. I think of a great example. In the book of Genesis, there was a man by the name of Noah. And Noah was building an ark. If you've ever been to see that ark, you, you realize just the magnitude of that boat. It's unbelievable. But can I tell you, Noah was building that, Noah and his sons, and they had to have enlisted some other help or hired some other help. But it, we think it was probably about 120 years. The Bible tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years, and probably that whole time he was building the ark. You say, well, what were the people doing? Well, I'll tell you one thing they weren't doing. <laughs> Good job, Noah. Oh, you're doing great. <laughs> and if they were doing this... It was mocking. Because the Bible says in Genesis 6 that the imaginations of the heart of man was only evil continually. The Bible says in the Gospels that as it were in the days of Noah, they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage. They could care less about the things of God. It was all about the flesh. And yet Noah kept building. Every day he got up and he said, boys, it's time to go to work. Boys, it's time to uh, drive some more nails. It's time to put up some more boards. It's time to do some more. And can I tell you, that's the way the Christian life is. It's day after day, you just keep building. Day after day, you just stay after. Day after day, you stay faithful. You're not going to build a life. You're not going to build a testimony overnight. It's going to take a lifetime to build what God has called us to do. But I see they were building. So built we the wall. They just kept building. Number one, the berating. Number two, the building. But number three, we see the battling. It says in verse number eight, these enemies that were mocking, they decide to take it to the next level. It says in verse eight, and they conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. 
So now we don't just have the peanut gallery. We don't just have the critical people saying, hey, you're a weakling. Hey, you're just a pile of trash. Oh, hey. No, no, no. Now these enemies have gathered their weapons and they have unified and they have organized and now they are coming to fight against Nehemiah and the people who are building the wall. Number three, we see the battling. Verse number eight, they conspired to come and to fight. Uh, verse number uh, 11, it says, and our adversaries said, the adversaries, they came. And verse number 13, it says that, therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears and their bows. Nehemiah said, it's time to get armed. It's time to get your weapons. Notice verse 16, the middle of the verse. And the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, the bows, the habergens. That's the, the armor. Uh, verse number 17, at the end of the verse, and with the other hand, they held a weapon. Verse 18, the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side and so builded. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. That trumpet was there as an alarm. In case the enemy got close, they could blow the trumpet and everybody knew that the battle was on. But we see there's a battle. God's people were building, but they were also battling. But I want you to notice their first attack is found in verse number nine. When they heard the enemy was coming, when they heard the battle was on, it says in verse number nine, nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God. That's a great response in a battle. That's a great response when the enemy comes is to say, first of all, we're going to use our greatest weapon. We're not messing around. We're not playing around. We're bringing out the greatest weapon we have. And the greatest weapon for God's people is the weapon of prayer. Ephesians 6 tells us to put on the whole armor of God. It talks about the sword of the spirit. And then verse 18 says, pray, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You see, prayer is the weapon that we use to fight the battle. We try to take matters into our own hands, but yet God calls us to pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me, God says, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I want to say that every one of us in this auditorium, there's a lot of things we can't do, but every one of us can pray. And when God's people pray, prayer changes things. Prayer changes people. Prayer changes hearts. Prayer changes minds. Prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer is our greatest weapon. And so often we don't even pray. Oh, we worry. Oh, we sit down and say, what am I going to do? Oh, the enemy, they're too strong. Oh, I don't, I don't know what to do. Friend, I want to tell you what to do. Go to God in prayer. Say, so that's good for Nehemiah, but what about me? I'm talking to you. I'm talking to us. That is what God commands us to do, to pray and let our requests be made known unto God. We're in a battle. Nehemiah and the people of God were battling Sanballat and Tobiah and the enemies there. But I want to tell you, we have some enemies as well. We have the enemy of Satan. And by the way, Satan is a real enemy. 
We also have the enemy of the world, and I mean the world system, the, the, the world's philosophy, and that is an enemy. And you turn on the television or you turn on the news, and, and that's a lot of what is being, being pushed on us is the world's philosophy. That's an enemy. But there's a third enemy that we have that I think may be the worst enemy that we face every day, and that is the flesh. You know, the flesh... The Bible says, is the enemy of God. But when you get saved, when I got saved, I had the Holy Spirit move in. I became a new creature in Christ, but I still have the old man. I still have the old fleshly nature. Here's what the flesh says. The flesh says, you don't need to go to church. You got a lot of stuff to do at home. The flesh says, you don't need to read your Bible. There's a lot of other interesting stuff that you could read in the morning paper. The flesh says, you don't need to pray. You don't have time to pray. And by the way, God probably doesn't hear you anyway. That's what the flesh says. The flesh says, you can be bitter. That's your right. The flesh says, you can get revenge. The flesh says, you can get even. The flesh says, I want to get that person back. I want to strangle them after what they did. That's what the flesh says. But can I tell you, you and I are in a battle every day against the flesh. It's the old nature. And that battle is a battle it starts right here. For those of you that are listening on the radio, I've got my finger pointed to my head. We've got a battle in our mind every day. And that battleground in the mind is so important. If you can't get control of your mind, you're not going to be victorious over the world or the devil. If you can't battle the flesh in your mind. How about this? Romans says that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. But then it says this, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Maybe you're here today, and maybe the devil has gotten a foothold in your mind. And that old flesh has, has influenced your thoughts, and the world system has influenced your thoughts. And maybe you're here today, and you say, I, I just can't figure it all out. I've just got so much pressure. I've just got so many problems and emotionally and, 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 and my job and my finances and my health. And, and maybe you feel overwhelmed today. I got news for you. We're in a battle and that battle will not be won in our own strength, but that battle can be won. And that battle will be won through the power of God that is in us. You see, we are in a battle. Number one, the berating. Number two, the building. Number three, the battling. But number four, I love this, the belief. It's found in verse number 14. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord. Now that sounds so simple. Nehemiah says, hey, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. But how soon we forget. We think about the battle and we think about the building and we think about all the problems and all the burdens and we say, oh, we can't do it. You're right, we can't do it, but he can. Remember the Lord. This week, I want to say, remember what God has already done in your life. Amen. Remember how God saved you. Remember the miracles. Remember the answers to prayer. Remember God's faithfulness. Remember what he's already done and remember what he said he would do. Claim his promises and remember the Lord. The battle cry for the army uh, of the Texans after the Alamo. You remember that story where just a, a, really a handful of soldiers stood their ground against a, a much larger army and they lost the battle. 
But it was later that those soldiers said, hey, let's remember those guys in the Alamo. Let's remember their courage. Let's remember their sacrifice. Let's remember their determination. And let's not lose the war. We lost that battle, but let's win the war. And they did win because of their battle cry, remember the Alamo. Now, if, if soldiers can get inspired by other soldiers, don't you think some Christians could get inspired by our Savior? Don't you think some Christians could get inspired to remember the Lord and remember what God has done and remember what he can do? That ought to be our motivation this week. Remember the Lord. Number five, quickly, I see their burdens. Verse number 15, it says they returned to the wall and everyone to his work. Verse 17, they builded the wall. They bear burdens. The Bible tells us in chapter four and verse number um, 17, that they bear burdens with those that laded every one of his hands wrought in the work. That word laded, it means, to be, it means to be loaded down. It means to be burdened down. I won't take the time this morning, but if I were to have uh, uh, my girls, if I were to tell Lacey and Savannah, say, all right, let's, 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 let's put some hymn books in your arms. And they could walk around the auditorium with four or five hymn books. That wouldn't be too bad. But if I said, let's do 20. <laughs> Let's do 25. And, you know, here they got them all the way up to their chin and they're trying to carry them around. And you say, that would be a little different story. That'd be a little tough. And maybe that's the way you feel now with your life. Maybe you feel your life is just so burdened you could barely carry the burdens. Maybe your life seems so heavy you can barely get from point A to point B. Well, I got news for you. You don't have to bear your burden by yourself. You've got somebody that's there to help you. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How foolish it would be to try to do all the work and carry all the burdens by yourself when you've got Jesus Christ, the friend that sticks closer than a brother, and he says, hey, let me help you with your burden. I promise you this, he can carry a whole lot more than you carry. He can carry a whole lot more than I can carry, but we see their burdens. Number six, I want you to notice in closing the blessing. It says in verse number 20, In what place thereof ye hear the sound of the trumpet? Resort ye thither unto us. That was, the, that was the signal. Nehemiah said, when you hear the trumpet blow, then let's all gather together, and this battle is on. <laughs> that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It sounds pretty confident. But then I think Nehemiah realized, wait a minute. We don't have an army. We don't have trained soldiers. We don't have good weapons. We don't have good odds. So that's why verse 20, he closes this verse by saying, our God shall fight for us. I'm glad I'm not in this battle alone. I've got somebody that's fighting with me and fighting for me. If I were to go out this week and I were to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to build something. I'm going to build, I'm going to build a shed. First of all, I'm sure you would be very interested to see what that shed looked like at the end of the week. But if I said I'm going to build a shed and I, I went out this week and I, I begged Brother Edmund Dixon, I said, Brother Edmund, could you please help me build this shed? I have no idea what I'm doing and so Brother Edmund came and we, he and I, 
We built that shed. So next week, I, I bring you all by it. We have a field trip, a church field trip, and I take you by, and I'm walking through, and I'm saying, folks, do you see this beautiful shed? We, we built it. Any of you that know me, you would say, yeah, right, we. <laughs> it's more like, Edmund built it, and you were probably the gopher, you know. You were probably like, you know, uh, carry this and do this and hold this and all that. But that would be very presumptuous of me to say, look what, look what we did. Me and, me and Brother Edmund, we did this. I'm not a builder. If this week I went out on a, went out on a, a ride along with uh, Brother Jake back here and we were on that ride along and we, we brought in some bad guys. So I came back next Sunday. I said, let me tell you what we, Jake and I, now I'm giving Jake some credit. You know, I mean, we, we did it. And I said, yeah, we, we got these guys and we got this stuff and we recovered this and we solved this and we got all this done. And again, those of you that know me would say, yeah, I, I, I don't think it was very much of you, Pastor. I think it was probably you sitting in the car cheering him on, you know, while he's doing it. That's probably what it would be. But when the battle's over and when the building is done, you know what we're going to do? We're going to say, our God fought for us. Our God carried our burdens. Our God helped us every step of the way. Jesus is a builder. You need something built? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 16, he said, I will build my church. He's a good builder. Jesus was placed in the home of his earthly father, Joseph, who was a carpenter. They actually, a few times they asked about Jesus. They said, is not this the son of the carpenter? Well, I think Jesus knew how to build physical buildings, but I know this, Jesus knows how to build lives. Jesus knows how to build churches. Jesus knows how to build families. Jesus knows how to build homes. And if you'll let him do the building, I promise you, you will not be disappointed with what he does. But he's not only good at building. Jesus is good at battling. In our school chapel, I've, I've been speaking to our students these last few Wednesdays about Jesus who is mighty. The word mighty in Isaiah and the word Isaiah 9 and Zephaniah where it talks about our God is mighty in the midst of us. That word mighty, it literally means that our God is a, a powerful warrior. Our God is mighty. He's never lost a battle. He never will lose a battle. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is the conquering king. And so if I'm going to be in a battle, I'd like to be in a battle with him. And Nehemiah said this, when we go to battle, our God shall fight for us. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.